This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Well, Christmas coming a little bit early for a little boy from Langley today. 12-year-old Matthias Pauls was on his bike back in October when a vehicle speeding away from a suspected robbery hit him. A shocking accident prompting two local cycling companies to step up today and show their support. Jill Bennett has our top story. 12-year-old Matthias had no idea he was getting a new bike today. Do you like red? I sure hope so. <laughs> Safe to say, he likes red. Merry Christmas, bud. Yeah, Thank Merry you. Christmas. There you go. It is awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy. I just can't wait till I can ride, ride a bike again. In early October, Mateus was hit by a vehicle that blasted through a stop sign at 204th and 40th during a high-speed chase that followed a theft at a construction site. He was critically injured with several broken bones, a severely damaged kidney and swollen lungs. He's already endured a number of surgeries and will need more. He's doing better than he was. Um, it's going to be a long road. We don't know um, exactly how everything's going to turn out. As friends and complete strangers heard about the crash, the community rallied with an idea to try and get a discount on a new bike. Completely flabbergasted at the outpouring of support. That's what I was, I was hoping for something great, but never could have expected this. We decided to uh, donate the bike as a Norco and Caps Langley uh, gift to, uh, to Mateus to hopefully help him recover. Are you vlog? You bet. <laughs> the Pauls family, still overwhelmed, is now saying thank you, not only for the $1,700 bike, but also for all of the support. We, we've li lived in Brookswood for 10 years. Um, it's a great, great area. We love it there, but we didn't realize how great. Thank you for just kind of pulling for us and uh, all the well wishes and all the kindness from everybody. This is wonderful. Once my arm heals, it's going to be awesome. I want to see him riding a bike, so I'll follow up with him then. Mateus can't ride his new bike just yet, but minutes after seeing it and realizing it was his, he was already motivated, saying he plans to be back on two wheels by summer. Jill Bennett, Global News. Two Langley men aged 52 and 33 taken into custody pending charges. The RCMP saying their investigation continues. They're waiting for further test results on the vehicles. Uh, to breaking news now, and Kamloops RCMP have managed to peacefully resolve a domestic dispute just outside of the city. Officers were called to a rural road just outside Savannah, which is a tiny community west of Kamloops, just before 11 o'clock this morning. The RCMP's emergency response team was deployed, and at 4.30 this afternoon, a lone 51-year-old man arrested from a trailer now facing domestic assault and firearms charges. And in Abbotsford, police have released, have released a sketch of a man wanted in connection with an assault. CCTV camera images uh, capturing the suspect moments before the assault happened on McClure Road on November the 14th. Police say the man followed a 23-year-old woman for a block before pushing her from behind and trying to hold her down. She was able to get away and run to safety. This is what the suspect might look like. He's described as a chubby white male in his 30s, about 5 foot 10, with black patchy facial hair. If you have any information, please do call Abbotsford Police. 
More gun violence in Surrey. A 21-year-old man has been arrested after opening fire in a house and hitting a woman last night. Officers were called to the home on 92nd Avenue in Fleetwood just after 7 o'clock. Inside, a 21-year-old woman with a gunshot wound. She was rushed to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police say the victim and accused know each other but won't confirm reports that they're a couple. Investigators have been in the neighbourhood looking to speak to witnesses. Fresh calls to deal with the opioid crisis tonight for both the government and the community. A new report says workers on the front line are experiencing a mammoth amount of stress and trauma in dealing with addicts. Nadia Stewart has the story. It was September 2016. Fentanyl's death march had only just begun in B.C. Harm reduction advocates Sarah Blythe and Ann Livingston set up this unsanctioned pop-up safe injection site, sensing they were on the cusp of something deadly. We started right in at 12 hours a day, seven days a week, because there's something about doing it any shorter. It's just not showing that you're serious. And we could see it gradually increasing and then bang, it quadrupled in one month. Livingston says the day-in, day-out battle to save lives took its toll on her. You're like in a war zone. Your eyes go dead. You just march along. But a new report is highlighting just how critical the situation has become for frontline community workers, those who are on the ground even before police, fire, and paramedics arrive. They might be running the dugout drop-in or the drop-in at the women's centre, and they have to stop to help resuscitate someone who's gone into overdose. And then they have to go back to work. Vancouver-based Central City Foundation talked to 29 community leaders and frontline workers from 21 different organizations in the downtown east side and beyond. Two out of three organizations say the opioid crisis is having a direct impact on staff and the work they do. Help is typically available through an employee assistance program, but not every worker takes advantage of it. We know the streets, we hang around alleys, we're not scared, you know, tough people. We don't get things like that, right? We don't get post-traumatic stress disorder because, you know, We'll be okay. The other challenge is that most of the frontline workers, especially in the downtown east side, all have two or three jobs. So it becomes difficult for them to just manage their time and what their week looks like and when to access supports and services. We, I think, are seeing the limits of that resilience with this crisis, truly. Uh, and my concern is actually, less for right now, groups are coping. But in the long run, I think we need to find ways, we need to find deeper pockets. Central City's president and CEO says it's crucial more be done by governments, communities and philanthropists to support support workers and the organizations they pour themselves into. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Local longshoremen are upset with a new federal bill that could affect their work at Canadian ports. Now, members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, they held a rally this morning at Canada Place. They're protesting Bill C-23. They say the legislation will give U.S. officials more power on Canadian soil and Canadian workers could be denied entry by U.S. homeland security. The B.C. Civil Liberties Association says that the new law could also affect travellers, giving American border guards the authority to detain people before they arrive in the U.S. People will know when you, when you go through Vancouver Airport or wherever uh, to go to the States, you're going to pass through U.S. Customs while you're still in Canada, which makes a lot of sense. It's really convenient. But there's a new law that's given those officers at those stations way more power, power to, in some circumstances, strip search Canadians on Canadian soil, the power to detain people, even those who don't want to go to the States anymore, who may have changed their mind because they feel like they're being discriminated against in the questions, and they say, look, I don't, this isn't worth it to me, I don't want to go. 
um, those people in circumstances can be held. And they're going to take our names and they're going to send them down to Homeland Security. And Homeland Security is going to then be able to take, uh, to run through their system our names and then supply the Canadian government with a derogatory comment. That derogatory comment, we don't know what it means. We have no idea what derogatory is. Uh, it could even be uh, one of our workers is a Muslim because of what's going down in the UN, what's going on with the United States government right now and their anti-Muslim laws. Uh, and that's uh, a good possibility will happen. The other part is a strip searching. I don't know any worker that's ever wanted to go to, camp, go to work and get strip searched by a foreign government. Well, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale has issued a statement. That was earlier this week. He says that the federal government is committed to making the border more efficient and secure. Uh, the change is expected to be in place for air travel before the end of 2018 and expanded to road, rail and marine travel after that. There was another protest today. This time this was against the Kinder Morgan Pipeline project. The rally held outside the TD Tower in downtown Vancouver, urging TD customers to close their accounts. Dozens shouting slogans and beating drums. They're angry at the bank's involvement with the controversial Kinder Morgan pipeline project. TD is acting as an advisor, helping to drum up financing for the project, which has won federal government approval. Protesters outraged, claiming the pipeline would not have been able to go ahead without this money. TD Bank is the largest funder and proponent of the Kinder Morgan Pipeline here in Canada. They've invested $731 million. And this is despite having clear environmental protection policies written into their own, uh, uh, what they're saying they're trying to do as a corporation. So they are complete hypocrites through their investment in this pipeline. Fallout tonight after the provincial government decided not to give an environmental assessment certificate for the Ajax copper mine in Kamloops. That means the end of a project that could have led to 500 full-time jobs. Chad Classen of CFJC News has more from the company and the First Nations community who strongly oppose the project. Project manager for Ajax Chris Wilde says his team felt they did everything in their power to mitigate any dangers or environmental risks particularly in regards to proximity to the city. Certainly when we moved the, the general arrangement or the location of many of the facilities away from town, that was key in, in doing that was to address those concerns. KGHM changed its plans in 2014, switching to a tailings pond and moving the tailings infrastructure further south. Part of the plan was 90% dust mitigation, which the province didn't believe was possible, and neither did many groups opposed to the mine project. All the other estimates for water, air, soil were based on this uh, dust mitigation, which we looked and found no mine in the world functioning at that uh, consistently. We thought with uh, the, the mitigation that we put forward, our dust mitigation plan was, was going to be effective. Chief Ron Ignis from the Skeechison Indian Band is elated, as is the rest of the Shuswap Nation that wanted to protect areas like Jacko Lake or Pipsal, a piece of land sacred to their culture. Ignis says the independent panel review that SSN conducted, which he says influenced the NDP's decision, is a precedent setter. You know, others are now looking towards the, the independent panel review that we established, which is a, you know, a historic first uh, in terms of uh, Indigenous people standing up on their laws and taking control of decisions over the land. 
As for KGHM, Wild says a decision on where the company goes from here will be made in January. We've already addressed everything I think we could address. I mean, we'll look at you know, some of the, the concerns that are raised in the decision document, but are there enough significant changes that we could make to re-enter the process? All right, if you're str uh, still struggling for Christmas gift ideas, apparently there's an app now that could help give you some inspiration. It is called the Mem Merry Memory Making App, and it lets you put in how much you want to spend before generating a variety of meaningful gift suggestions. The goal is to minimize the amount of garbage that's gifted this time of year with Metro Vancouver officials hoping the idea is going to encourage people to choose something more meaningful for loved ones. Here's hoping. Still ahead tonight, trying to make a getaway. Police body cam capturing the moments when a man in Kentucky falls over an overpass trying to avoid getting caught. And up next, the latest on the story of a billionaire couple from Ontario found dead in their Toronto home. We're back in just a moment. Welcome back. Well, gruesome details coming to light tonight into the deaths of Canada's pharmaceutical giant Barry Sherman and his wife, Honey. The billionaires were found dead in their Toronto mansion yesterday. Friends saying that no matter what the circumstances surrounding their deaths, they hope the two will be remembered for the great work they did helping the community. Honey was always out there. Honey was a doer. There's no doubt about that. Gina's 100% right. Paul and Gina Godfrey have known Barry and Honey Sherman for more than three decades, making Friday's revelation that the two were found dead in their home nothing short of stunning. Uh, I got a call from a television station uh, while I was in my car. I was on the way to pick up uh, my uh, grandchildren's son and daughter-in-law, and I almost fell out of the car when they told me that... Uh, Honey and uh, Barry had uh, passed away. Today they're remembering their friends for their compassion. They were very philanthropic. They cared about the little guy who couldn't help himself. The deaths are being treated as suspicious. I can say that uh, we did not observe any signs of uh, forced entry to the, to the building. Um, and so uh, at this point, uh, indications are that we have no outstanding suspect to uh, be going after. Police sources now confirm to Global News the Shermans were found hanging from a railing around their lap pool by a realtor. The couple had recently put their home up for sale. An autopsy is being done today to determine how the couple died. All the facts aren't out yet. Uh, the police, I'm sure, are looking into it, and I'm sure that uh, when they uh, put all the pieces together, uh, they'll make a statement. So until then... Uh, I, nobody should guess what's happening, and uh, we just have to sit and wait. Toronto's mayor also speaking out about the couple's contribution. Honey Sherman was a volunteer extraordinaire. She lit up any room that she came into. She was involved in so many causes, uh, some of them causes in the Jewish community, but many not. Patrick Brown has worked for Apotex for the past 23 years. I'll tell you something about Barry Sherman. We, uh, we call him Uncle Barry because Apotex is truly a family. And um, and it's it's obviously it's not owned by uh, some conglomerate that you don't you never see anybody. Uh, that was a man who owned Apotex and uh, gainfully employed so many thousands of us. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Closure for the family of a young Toronto woman after the men accused of murdering her and burning her body were found guilty today. We've sat through a six-week funeral for our daughter Laura. And uh, you all know what a wonderful woman she was, as well as all the pains and struggles that she faced. 
You also know about the evil beings that took her life, and if society's lucky, we will not see them again on the streets. Dellen Millard and Mark Smitch were found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of 23-year-old Laura Babcock. They've been sentenced to life in prison without parole for 25 years. Babcock's body was never found. Crown argued she was burned in Millard's animal incinerator. The jury also heard that the pair had planned the murder for months after Babcock became the odd woman out in a love triangle involving Millard and his girlfriend justice was done we were we're so thankful for the family support and um, we just feel so badly that they had to go through this and that Laura had to suffer at the hands of these two Last year, the pair were convicted of killing 32-year-old Tim Bosmer in 2013 and destroying his body in the incinerator. And in March, Millard will once again return to court to face another murder charge. He's accused in the 2012 death of his father, Wayne. Hollywood's powerful executives are taking a new stand against sexual harassment in the entertainment industry. A new commission has been formed with Anita Hill named as the chair. The trailblazer brought sexual harassment issues to light in the 90s when she accused U.S. Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas. The new commission is backed by Disney, Paramount, Universal and more. It comes in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations against many prominent figures in the industry, including producer Harvey Weinstein. Meantime, new information is coming to light into the so-called Weinstein blacklist. Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson says he was told not to hire two actresses from Weinstein's team, Mira Sorvino and Ashley Judd. They're among dozens of actresses who have accused Weinstein of sexual harassment. Jackson says he now knows that the advice given to him was part of a smear campaign. Heavy winds in California are pushing a massive wildfire closer and closer to homes. That has prompted even more evacuation orders. The wildfire is now the third largest in California's history. It's been burning out of control for 13 days. It's now threatening multi-million dollar homes in Santa Barbara. Many areas of the city have now been evacuated. A routine traffic stop in Kentucky going sideways when a man trying to escape police fell 12 metres off the side of an overpass. Yeah, police body cam tape capturing the whole thing after he was caught driving the wrong way down the highway. After the fall, he got up and ran into the woods. When canine units arrived, he put one of the dogs in a chokehold. He was eventually tasered and is in, now in custody. Officers say that he is lucky to be alive. Well, he tried, didn't he? He tried, yeah, didn't wild, he? Yeah. Quite the video, too. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, the fog has kind of cleared up, and it doesn't really feel that cold for this time of year. Is that... It depends on where you are. Oh, okay. Depends <laughs> on where you are, but uh, yeah. I think because today was mostly dry and we were underneath that cloud cover, temperatures bumped up a couple of degrees above the average. Seven was the high at the airport. But as we take a look at the latest satellite and radar, we're tracking some moisture and it is pushing in across Metro Vancouver, stretching in towards the Fraser Valley this evening. It will be heavy at times for our Sunday. I'll have some of those amounts. Also, we've got snow. If you're heading along the mountain passes, especially along the Pine Pass, we do have a snowfall warning in effect. Those amounts coming up shortly. All right. It's nice to get some blue skies earlier in the week. Yes, week, it's though. nice.
was nice. Mm. Um, and in sport, what's happening there? Well, i got to hand it to the Canucks. They, they showed something yesterday. They had a great bounce-back game after really playing horribly against Nashville earlier. It looked really bad with all their great players out. It looked like the season uh, was going down the drain. But they bounced back with a nice win over the Sharks, so we'll show you some of that and uh, hear from uh, head coach Travis Green and uh, playing some outdoor hockey tonight in a very cold weather in Ottawa. I think wind chills around minus 20. Oh. Very close to not be playing the game because it it's too cold, but uh, Ottawa and Montreal, so we'll show you some of that as well. Oh my God. They actually play minus They're playing 20? in the game. They play these outdoor games every year, and the weather is, of course, always a factor, but yeah. uh, it's pretty chilly. It's about minus 12, but the wind chill is a little high, so yeah, the players are the, wearing balaclavas. that are sitting there. Yeah, I know. A lot of them fans? seem to be drinking stuff that's helping them. <laughs> okay. uh, so I can probably just imagine what it is. But yeah. <laughs> Are you two Star Wars fans at all? No. A little bit. No. All right. Well, the biggest movie <laughs> of the year, uh, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of it. Tens of thousands of fans getting very excited about the film hitting theaters this weekend. And still to come tonight, uh, how there's a major memorabilia auction going on in Langley. Up next, though, the latest on a meningitis outbreak in the Okanagan. We'll tell you what's going on there, too. In health masses tonight, immunization clinics were held in the Okanagan today as health officials there are dealing with an outbreak of meningitis. There's been 11 cases in the region this year. That is more than twice the average in a typical year. Lined up to get the shot. Teenagers across the Okanagan being vaccinated for meningitis after the Interior Health Authority declared an outbreak. It's pretty alarming. Um, it's not something we typically see. And it can be deadly. One teenager with meningitis in the southern interior died this year, and a 16-year-old girl from Vernon is fighting for her life. I was kind of shocked, like I didn't really think that would happen here. Um, and it's kind of scary, like she's so young. Symptoms can include a stiff neck, fever, headache, vomiting or seizures. Anyone who suspects they might have the disease should see a doctor right away to prevent brain damage or worse. It's kind of scary, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I know I can go get my shot to protect myself. The disease is a bacterial infection that rarely occurs in Canada. It's spread through kissing, through sharing food and drinks, cigarettes, coughing, or sneezing. Scary, because, like, I share my drinks with my friends sometimes. Dozens of teenagers showed up to Interior Health's drop-in clinics for a free vaccination ahead of more clinics planned for 26 schools across the valley. It's really busy. I was surprised. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people here. The parents were like, go get it. And I was like, okay. Interior Health doesn't know why the outbreak is happening, but it is tracking meningitis carriers. So far, my understanding, there hasn't been any uh, linkages between the cases. The health authority now vaccinates all students in grade 9, but that only started last year. These vaccinations are targeting 18 and 19-year-olds and those missing school shots. We actually have targeted to have all of the schools have a clinic by the end of next week. And by urging 15 to 19-year-olds, who are those most at risk, to get vaccinated, health officials are hoping to spread the word and awareness about meningitis and not the disease. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. And Interior Health has just announced additional clinics will be opening tomorrow throughout the Okanagan due to high demand. You can get more information uh, if you go online to interiorhealth.ca.
A Calgary woman who made Canadian medical history three decades ago has died. Jessica Diggins was the first Canadian baby to survive a heart transplant after being born with a malformed heart. Jessica lived with chronic pain, needed anti-rejection drugs and had a weakened immune system. She suffered heart attacks and underwent a triple bypass surgery. On Wednesday, she collapsed and died at her home outside Calgary. She was just 31 years old. California is the first state to issue official guidelines to minimize a person's exposure to cell phone radiation. Some studies have hinted at a slightly increased risk for brain cancer and tumors, others suggesting effects on learning and memory, as well as causing headaches and poor sleep. The recommendations include keeping the phone away from the body whenever possible, so carry it in a purse or a briefcase, not in your pocket, and also keep it away from your bed at night, especially away from your head. Also avoid products that claim to block radio frequencies that may actually increase your exposure too. All right, now you know. Uh, your full weather forecast with our Yvonne Chal is coming up next, so stay with us for that. Plus, the alarming sight on an airport runway in Alaska as some, uh, well, you can see there. What is that? Wandering on the tarmac. Stay with us for that. Welcome back. Well, many airports do have a problem with birds disrupting planes on the runway, but on a tarmac in Alaska, a slightly different problem. Uh, take a look at this. Two young polar bears caught sprinting down the runway by a dash cam. The airport foreman was out for an early morning inspection when he saw them. He says he's very happy they ran away from danger and away from the buildings. This, by the way, not the first time. It's the second time he's caught an unusual animal at the airport. Back in October, he had to rescue a seal. Uh, yeah, apologies to those listening to us on uh, CKNW on the radio. You will have to watch that back on your TVs a bit later. Yvonne, uh, incredible pictures there. I know you're a fan of uh, polar bears too. Yes, they're very cute. <laughs> they're very cute, but they were quick there as well. Yeah, so, all right. Fly. Yes, exactly. All right. Here's what we are tracking some wet weather across the south coast. We were managed to stay dry throughout much of the day today, but that moisture is pushing in and it'll be heavy at times for the latter half of our weekend. So anticipate that for your Sunday. We do have some rain pushing in and we are going to see a significant amount uh, for a few areas. First off, though, here's a look at the tower cam shot right now. We're sitting at six out of the airport, a light easterly wind sitting at 17 kilometers per hour. Our high today was at 7. We're still close to the average for this time of the year that sits at 5 and a record on this day. 13 degrees was set back in 1976. A very happy birthday this evening to Joseph Bittell from Summerland celebrating 101 and Helen Galisano, Galisano from Surrey also celebrating 101. So congratulations to you both and I hope you've had a wonderful day. Back to the forecast and what we are looking at for a few of the numbers across the province today. It was close to the average for this time of the year for the interior sections. Kelowna, the tops in Okanagan should be closer to minus two, just above the freezing mark as highs today. Minus one as the high for Prince George, Prince Rupert climbing up to six degrees and seven for the high for Victoria. Satellite and radar as we zoom on out, that moisture that's pushing in across the southern half of the province, coastal sections will stay as rain. It'll work its way in towards the interior sections and by tomorrow morning we are going to be seeing snow, especially for areas into the Thompson Okanagan and stretching 
moving into the Columbia Kootenai. We are tracking some snowfall for the following areas where anywhere between 15 and up to 20 centimeters. Williston McGregor included within that and along Highway 97 for the Pine Pass could see up to 20 centimeters by tomorrow evening. So we do have winter driving conditions and it's falling as snow for interior sections across the central half of the province and coastal sections it'll still still stay as rain. Future cast into play an additional rainfall totals anywhere between 20 and up to 40 millimeters will be across the south coast for our Sunday and then tapering off to a chance of showers on Monday. The piece tomorrow, the northeastern corners, some dry weather with a mix of sun and cloud. Winds will ramp up tomorrow with gusts of up to 60 kilometers, a westerly wind. White horse tomorrow, dry conditions, but it is cooling off. Monday, Tuesday, highs into the minus double digits on Tuesday with only a high of minus 14. Coastal sections will stay as rain, 20 and up to 40 millimeters. It's 10 and up to 20 throughout much of the day, and then an additional 10 and 20 towards the evening. Inland sections will also be seeing rainfall and then tapering off to a chance of showers on Monday. Caribou and Central Interior, snowfall. Once again, if you're heading along the mountain passes, many of them will see an additional two and up to five centimeters. Columbia and Kootenai region tomorrow at minus two. The tops in Okanagan will see that snow for tomorrow, tapering off on Monday and then the next round towards the evening. Whistler along the sea to sky, especially closer to Whistler, will be up to 10 centimeters of snowfall by tomorrow. And across the island, we'll see that rain on and off and heavy at times for Metro Vancouver. 30 and up to 40 millimeters for most areas locally. Showers Monday, Tuesday. Bright spot will be on our Wednesday once again. The return for some sunshine and temperatures up to 7. Sonia? Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, everyone. NHL action is coming up next, including the Canucks bouncing back with a great performance against the Sharks. Barry will be here in a couple of minutes. All right, we are talking about the Canucks. Yeah, mm-hmm, and yeah. they've got so it, it's been good for them so far, hasn't it? Well, like, the I last really... uh, last twenty four hours have been good. Yeah, <laughs> they've had a very they had a bad ten day stretch there, but hopefully oh, it's over. Okay, hopefully it's over. I just feel like they haven't been as criticized as they are normally. Well, and not in the last twenty four hours. Okay, it's a, it's a fluid thing, <laughs> hockey and broadcasting. Uh, the Canucks are back on the ice tomorrow afternoon at Rogers Arena against the Flames, a special 5 o'clock Sunday start. We'll see if they can repeat the effort they put in last night against the Sharks. It was impressive. As beaten up as they are and as down as they had to be after that 7-1 thrashing to Nashville on Wednesday, give the Canucks big credit for bouncing back and playing with passion again. That's not only a confidence booster for the players, but that is a message to the fan base that this team's got some pride and determination not to be a doormat during very trying times. Canucks without six regulars, including Horvat and Taneb, but they came to play last night and their power play has been fantastic. The twins combined to set up Marcus Granlund, who needs to produce right now with Horvat and Berchi out. And then later in the period, just as a power play ends, Granlund one more time. Sweet little pass right there from Henrik for the tap in 2-1 Canucks after one and then on another power play in the second Daniel with the backhand feed to Brock Besser who snipes his 17th leads all NHL rookies Canucks with two more power play goals they're now fifth in the league in power play percent last year they were nearly dead last 3-2 Canucks after two Sharks tied it late went to overtime but then Markstrom made a save and then Alex Edler springs Sam Gagne in the breakaway and Gagne shows some of that skill we've been waiting to see nice back Hander, just his fourth. He knows he needs to produce two during these lean times. Canucks take it 4-3, impressing their head coach. I just thought we played a really good game. I thought our group played hard. Uh, effort was definitely there tonight. 
top to bottom. And we're not going to sit back. That's for me. That's that's a slow death in a game. Uh, we want to be aggressive. We we talked with our group about committing to defend, though. All right, earlier today, Oilers on the road in Minnesota. Cam Talbot back in net after missing seven games with injury. Oilers went three and four in that span. Second period, Zach Cassian, nice feed to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The Nuge with his team leading 13th. That was shorthanded, one nothing Edmonton. Matt Dumba, though, will tie it up for the Wild. Loads up the one-timer and blows it past Talbot. 1-1, but late in the second... Connor McDavid starting the play. Dreisaitl will tip it over to Milan Lucic, who whacks the rolling puck in his eighth 2-1 Oilers. And then in the third, on the 2-1-1, Lucic leading the charge, and he will find Jesse Pugliarvi, who will score his sixth, gets two cracks at it, scores on his own rebound, 3-1 Oilers. Minnesota cut it to 3-2 and made a push, but Cam Talbot, 29 saves in the Oiler net. And Edmonton holds on for a 3-2 win. Jets and Blues going on right now in St. Louis. Jets chasing the Blues in the uh, Western Conference standings. First period, it's Vladimir Tarasenko on the rebound. And that has been it for scoring. They're very late in the third. 1-0 St. Louis leads. Canadians and Senators playing outdoor hockey from Ottawa. This game played at Lansdowne Park, a very chilly night. Wind chill up to minus 20. Habs and Senators played the first ever NHL game 100 years ago. There's uh, Alex Burroughs. He played, of course, outdoors at BC Place when the uh, Canucks played the Ottawa Senators a few years ago. Now a Senator, of course, took a while to get a goal, but Jean-Gabriel Pajot deflects the Eric Carlson point shot. That's all we got right now. one nothing sends in the third. The Olympics less than eight weeks away. Our men's hockey team starting to take shape, taking part in the Channel One Cup in Moscow, playing the host Russians. Third period, no score, but the Russians get one from Nikita Nesterov on the power play. Beats uh, former NHLer Ben Scrivens, one nothing Russia, and then nice little two-on-one Sergei Plotnikov, two nothing Russia wins. Canada finished the tournament one and two. Their roster still a work in progress. They're hoping to take a lot of Canadians who play over in the KHL. Still to come, Chanel goes to the red zone to break down the Seahawks Sunday showdown with the Rams. And will Manchester City ever lose an EPL match? Highlights of City and Tottenham when we return. Welcome back. The Seahawks can move into first place in the NFC West tomorrow, but they have to beat the Los Angeles Rams at CenturyLink to do so. Seattle already beat the Rams earlier this season on the road, but L.A., always give Seattle a cup game at CenturyLink, and it should be no different tomorrow, as our pal Chanel explains, in the red zone. It is the biggest game of the year for Seattle, and it could cement its place in the postseason. A Seahawks win means they move into first, holding the tiebreaker with the Rams, but a loss will make it almost impossible for Seattle to win the NFC West. The Rams still one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL, second overall, but back in week five, they were held to just 10 points by Seattle. Since then, LA has averaged 30 points a game. Jared Goff has been solid, 22 touchdowns, just six interceptions, but he did struggle versus the Hawks, throwing two picks and getting sacked a couple of times. Todd Gurley, number three in rushing, and he leads the NFL with 13 touchdowns. And when he runs for over 100 yards, 
LA is a perfect 4 and 0. Aaron Donald has been a thorn in the side of Russell Wilson, four sacks over his career and he had six quarterback pressures last week versus the Eagles. Expect more of that come Sunday. Now the Rams have scored 104 points off turnovers, second best. They have two touchdowns off blocked punts. The rest of the NFL has two combined. Mike Davis has been a pleasant surprise, 130 rushing yards in his last two games versus two of the best run defenses in the league. Now he goes up against a Rams team ranked 28th against the run and allows 4.7 yards a carry. Now if the Hawks establish a solid ground attack, they can take advantage of a tired defense. What's hurting Seattle? Penalties, 120 this season, most in the NFL, including last week's meltdown. Now the Seahawks are a one-point favorite and are 11-1 at home versus the Rams since 2005 and have won the last two meetings overall. This program is brought to you by Mr. Lube, Canada's number one quick lube, now offering same-day tire services. No appointment needed. All right, two rare Saturday NFL games today. Bears and Lions, Detroit at 7-6, and six, trying to stay alive in the NFC wildcard chase. Second quarter, Matt Stafford to Marvin Jones. What a catch. Elevates 58-yard gain for the Lions as they get inside the Bears 20, and that would lead to this touchdown as Stafford finds T.J. Jones from three yards out. Of course, they're allowing touchdown celebrations now. The Lions going with a little Christmas theme, a little rocket kick line there. Very nice. 13-0 Detroit. Third quarter, Stafford to Eric Ebron for the major, and the Lions go to 8-6 after the 20-10 win over the Bears. Meanwhile, a huge game in the AFC West. Chargers and Chiefs tied at 7-6, going head-to-head at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Second quarter, Alex Smith shocking everyone by going deep to Tyreek Hill. 64-yard touchdown. That made it 10-0. Chargers have since scored. It's now 10-6 Chiefs late in the first half. English Premiership, Manchester City looking for a record 16th straight win. Tottenham Hotspur trying to break the streak, but just 14 minutes in. Well-placed header by Ilke Gundogan, 1-0 City. And then they'll put this one away in the second half with a flurry of goals. Kevin De Bruyne with a thumper here. Goalie gets a piece of it, but had uh, a little too much pace on it. Into the top of the net, 2-0 City, and then 10 minutes later, De Bruyne starts another lovely Manchester City sequence. It'll eventually be Leroy Sané to Raheem Sterling for his first of two. 16 straight wins for Man City, 4-1 the final. They really do look unstoppable. They're now 14 points up on second place Man United, who play tomorrow. Chelsea and Southampton. Chelsea beginning the day third, but miles behind Man City. Really, everyone is uh, just playing for a spot in the top four. First half stoppage time, Marcos Alonso finding the back of the net. That was the only goal of the match. Chelsea take it 1-0. And one more to show you from the Premiership. Petr Cech and Arsenal on a three-game winless run. But they played Newcastle, which hasn't won since October. Just one goal in this match. Masut Ozil follows the bouncing ball and gets under it and hammers the left-footed volley to the top of the net. 
Gunners now fourth, five points back of third place Chelsea after the 1-0 victory. All right. Okay, so well, it's a big weekend if you're a Star Wars fan because um, I think the eighth movie in the line of Star Wars movies. <laughs> now, do you go dress up opens. in your R2-D2 uh, outfit? Exactly. Some people do. Do you? I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> well, the Dar- or Darth Vader. I know you have a Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. Oh, someone told you that. <laughs> um, so The Last Jedi opened and there was a huge auction of memorabilia. So yes. if you, anybody ever gave you any Star Wars toys and you've mm. chucked them? Yeah. Big mistake. I know. They could Always be worth hang a lot on to the money. junk because it's going to be worth something. Exactly. Paul Johnson We'll be explaining that in a couple of minutes. Stay with us for that. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with two new centimeters of snow and a base of 138. Grouse with a base of 156, Cypress 175, and Sasquatch 148. Revelstoke and Manning Park both with a base of 116 and seven new centimeters of snow. Powder King with a base of 170. Big White with a base of 105, Silver Star 96, Sun Peaks 81. Apex, three new centimeters of snow and a base of 77. All right, finally tonight, Star Wars fans around the world may be heading to movie theaters this weekend, but other diehard fans were also in Langley today when a major collection of memorabilia was up for grabs. Paul Johnson was there. The staccato rattle of the auctioneer and a crowd of anxious buyers. Auctions may be the most dramatic form of commerce, and Shay Lisney and her boyfriend Tyler were all in today. It's an expensive hobby. <laughs> in a place that might normally move tools and appliances, today the action was about things of a more sentimental value, like these Star Wars action figures in the original boxes, of course. Some of these ones that they're auctioning off are going for about $1,500. More than $1,000 for what was really just a cheap toy from the 70s. Well, you're shaking your head. You might also reconsider the times you laughed at the Star Wars collector nerd who said he was making an investment. It turns out he was. I don't think there's anything that has as big of a collection as Star Wars does. Able Auctions' Colin Hull says it's possible this haul of collectibles could bring in north of a million dollars. Probably hundreds of thousands of figures. He has uh, sculptures, there's costumes, there's comic books. If money was no option, I would have that Carrie Fisher gun, hands down. Princess Leia brandished her own custom blaster in the original Star Wars movie. A plastic replica signed by Carrie Fisher was one of the signature high dollar items up for bid today. No word on who got that. Everything here had belonged to a single anonymous collector in the area who decided it was time to sell. With a new Star Wars movie just out and Christmas coming, whoever this guy is, you can bet he can finally move out of his parents' basement if he wants. It's an endless fountain of creativity and it's, it's just so great to be a part of it. Paul Johnson, Global News. Mm. <laughs> So forget buying houses or anything like that. If you want to make your money and sure, retire early, right. just collect things in mint condition and then but sell them. But it's so them. strange, people who buy these things, <laughs> to keep them in mint condition, you can't touch you them. You can't touch them. You can you only can't play sort of them. look. I guess it's bragging yes. rights and uh, things like that, but it's odd. You can't even... No. It's got to be some... A fingerprint yeah. could make it worthless. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Good. Uh, very clever man in Langley. Yeah. You want to know his name now. <laughs>
He's anonymous. Kind of Luke, and now someone he's or retiring. <laughs> Luke, yeah. yeah. Um, weather, just a quick word on weather. It is uh, so, going to be dry over the next couple of days? Uh, not oh. yet. We still need to get through some wet weather. It looks like it's even wetter as we get in towards our Sunday. It'll taper off Monday, Tuesday, but still unsettled. Wednesday, the return for some sunshine. Sunballs. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>